Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1099. Head over to ID10T.com, sign up for the email list. Uh, we have a bunch of new Halloween stuff in, some vintage Halloween stuff as well. So check that out in the shop. And you can follow us on Instagram, which is just at ID10T, the very name of this podcast. How convenient. Uh, let's talk about you, the ID10T community, and the corkboard events at ID10T.com. Like Chris, who writes... I wanted to write in about a project I started before the pandemic. I got an iPad Pro right before all this craziness started so I could use it to practice drawing. I've always enjoyed doodling and sketching, but never put in the time to be really any good. So I decided to teach myself a new skill by practicing about an hour a day, similar to what Chris, me, is doing for piano and guitar. Nice! To show my art and catalog my progress, I started an Instagram page. My goal is to improve and grow my skill level over time. My art is mostly nerdy things like superheroes and sci-fi characters. You can see it on Instagram at C-M-A-Z-Z-A-R-T. At C-M-A-Z Art. All right. Great job, Chris. What a what a fantastic idea to practice uh, something a little bit every day. And it, I, I'm telling you... Over time, these the, the, those those practice hours that you're putting in, you're depositing in your personal growth account, uh, for lack of a better term, will reap dividends. And you'll be like, oh my god, I can't believe, look, I, just because I put in a little bit of consistent effort. So, great job, great job, great job. For anyone else, you can uh, send in your thing to events at ID10T.com. This episode is Elizabeth Marvel, who is an amazing actor. She's been on so many phenomenal shows and so many phenomenal movies. Uh, she's been in uh, Lincoln, True Grit, uh, Burn After Reading. Um, she's been on uh, a bunch of different series like House of Cards, Fargo, Person of Interest. She's guested on every Law and Order show. Literally, uh, we talk about it. She's literally guested on every iteration of Law and Order. And she's such a, not only is she a phenomenal actress, but as we talk about in the, um, uh, in the podcast, uh, I stumbled across a video of her that I watched that was all about, it was about, she's talking about Shakespeare. And it became this very like philosophical existential like applicable to life kind of advice as she was sort of navigating like how to approach Shakespeare for the stage and so we just had so much great stuff to talk about she has so much phenomenal advice she's such a cool lady 
So whether or not you're an actor, whether or not you're a stage performer who's think, contemplating uh, doing Shakespeare, it's there's definitely there are definitely things that you'll be able to uh, take away from this podcast. Things that you'll be able to apply in whatever your own discipline is. So um, Elizabeth is on the new Marvel Hulu series Hellstrom. Uh, which is based on a series of, of comics uh, from Marvel. So uh, Liddy and I are four episodes into that right now and really loving it. So uh, check it out. Hellstrom is on Hulu. And uh, Elizabeth Marvel, thank you so much for being awesome. It was so wonderful to talk to you. Here is the ID10T podcast number 1099 with Elizabeth Marvel, who is coincidentally starring in a Marvel series, which... I think she should rightly own because her last name is Marvel. So, I'm no legal expert, but I'm pretty sure that's how that works. All right, roll the thing! Initiating ID10T protocol. We were trying to get a microphone connected, but it just didn't want to cooperate. You know, technology is, you know, I would say technology is good, not always great, and generally creates more problems than it so- tries to solve. Yes, yes, <laughs> I would agree with that. I would but wholeheartedly I will say the ability to do podcasts when people can't get near each other uh, is a good thing. It has been it has been kind of amazing. It changed my perspective on I was always a you have to be in front of people. How can you have a conversation if you're not sitting in front of people and connecting with them and yeah. You know, the universe was like, well, that's not possible. So, <laughs> so deal with it. Yeah, so Zoom <laughs> has been a really great way around that. I have to say, you know, being a working mom over the years and having to be far from home at times, yeah. I've been profoundly grateful for in things like FaceTime and, you know, to be able to see my family. Oh, I'll bet. So I sort of made peace with tech in a small way because I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm a hippie Luddite, so I don't know from technology at all, but the little that I engage with, I'm grateful for. Yeah, it's, it, it definitely... My wife is very much, my wife is the is the one between the two of us that will say, um, well, we're going to put away our, let's go away for a weekend and not bring any phones. And I'm like, yeah, I don't understand. What do you, what do you mean? Don't bring any phones. Like just bring one and keep it off. And, like, no, it's not <laughs> any. and I'm like, but safety, what are we going to, how are we supposed to, you know, uh, <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, you know, so so I, I but I think there is a balance between between not being on your phones all the time and throwing them in a lake. I feel like there is some type of a moderation like everything else. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think that's open for debate. <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't know if there is is true moderation with these devices. I think it's a, a massive challenge just in the way that they're designed. 
Well, they are. I mean, there, I, there's no question that devices and social media were designed to hit our most primal addiction centers. Yep. Yep. So I think I vote for throwing them in a lake, honestly. <laughs> status update? Uh, lake. That's, that's my status update. In a lake. That's my status update. Um, it's, really, it's really nice to talk to you because I... Um, you've done so much great television and film and theater. And I started watching um, a video of yours from the New York Theater Workshop. And it oh, just wow. like, my antenna went straight up because you immediately delved into this area that I would love to start chipping away at, which is, you were talking about it. I was like, oh, okay, I would really love to see, you know, how Elizabeth, you know, views acting. And it just took this hard right philosophical turn into the formation <laughs> of thoughts and ideas <laughs> and existentialism. And I was like, holy shit, we're going to have so much to talk about. This is great. So I was. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes, because it, it, and I know there's a ton to talk about. I want to talk about how your son dressed up like Stan Lee. I, you know, I want to talk about, <laughs> yes. I want to talk about what I'm sure you're tired of mentioning, which is having the last name Marvel and being in a Marvel series. Like it's so many, <laughs> there's so many things, but this broad philosophical idea of you know using using theater and using your being as an actor on a stage to mm. inform lessons about life and how we move through the universe is I am so excited to talk about this. <laughs> so what was the I mean first of all let's talk a little bit about your background sure. and I, I assume did you did you go to Juilliard or you are I you did. A, you did go to Juilliard? I so did. You studied yep. drama at Juilliard. I did. I did. I I went there pretty much out of high school with a brief detour following The Grateful Dead, and that's the whole journey right there. <laughs> you um, followed The Grateful Dead. You you did. How many? How many grateful? How many concerts? You know uh, uh, that I can remember. Yeah. Um, probably. You know. Triple digits over the wow. over the the course of a life. Yeah, nah. and listen, that's I, that's too many, but a lot. There, there are bands that I love that I that I have seen a few times, and I consider myself a rabid fan. But I guess if you are going on the road and following a band, and you know, eating strange meat out of someone's trunk, you probably, <laughs> which I assume happened, you probably like that's a lifestyle, right? That's a community. Is that absolutely a hundred percent. Yep, that's exactly what it is. And I was, I was a very young person who was super lost. And I was a visual arts student. That was my focus. And I was at a boarding school. My, my mother had moved to Sicily and I was sort of just at loose ends. And I got into a little bit of trouble in high school, <laughs> so which we don't need to go into. No, um, why, why, but, why, I, but I didn't, I didn't complete my art portfolio. Um, so anyway, I was sort of up in the air trying to figure out what to do with myself. And, uh, and yeah, I ended up at Juilliard as an actor, <laughs> like you do after a lot of dead shows. <laughs> okay. Now th this might be me like reaching too far. So by any, by, so if this, sure, is, sure. If this is a dumb, pretentious question, by all means, just smack it down. Okay. But, uh. Uh, is were are you to, to see that many shows presented to the audience? 
did you learn something as about as an artist like these are songs these guys have played a ton and i assume they play them slightly differently each time they kind of mix up their set list so the idea of the relationship of your art to yourself and to your audience what are you learning about that type since you were a visual artist to understanding presentation what is it sure, sure. picked up from the grateful dead do you know time? there actually is and it's so interesting because nobody has ever asked me that question and i think it is such an excellent question oh thanks because it wasn't just being a burnout and you know running around and dancing yeah. i actually did learn a lot about performative bravery from them because those guys, for better or worse, were never going to repeat. And we're always like fully willing to make a mess on stage. <laughs> but like, but so boldly and so bravely and so creatively, you know, it wasn't just because they were so stoned that they couldn't get it together. Although there were always those shows, but a lot of it was just this pursuit and exploration and willingness to make a mess. And that is definitely something that I carry as a creative person. I am very willing to make a mess. Oh, that's genius because you have to be in order to free yourself up to be creative because if you're, I always, I always kind of shit on perfectionism as an unattainable mm-hmm. road. Oh, it's a killer. It's a killer <laughs> in all forms. It is a killer perfectionism. Yeah. It'll take you down. And but it is the least useful quality in, in any pursuit, really, but but certainly in the creative world, perfectionism I mean, has about, no place. What's funny about it is that it's not even definable, really. Like, it's just this ideal. It's just this That's ideal right. that we craft in our heads that totally. is based on mostly our own baggage. But But it doesn't even really, like, I don't even know, like... If you were to say, if you were to ask a Grateful Dead, what's a, what was your show perfect? I don't even know if they could answer that. I don't yep. even know how you would answer that from, from yep. that point of view. Ab- a- absolutely. And, and, you know, to me, like the pursuit of perfectionism is just the, the shitty committee in my head. You know, it's just, <laughs> that's where it lives. <laughs> I start using shitty committee as the, the nagging, bad, negative voices that tell you you can't do stuff or you're that's dumb. Right. Or it's not good That's enough. It. It's not perfect. That wasn't perfect. <laughs> oh, that that one hit me sideways. I wasn't prepared for it. Oh my god, that's so genius. But you know, the Grateful Dead. What's great about what they built? And listen, I like a couple Grateful Dead songs. I can't say, you know, like Radiohead's my favorite band. I probably well, I don't know how amazing. many Radiohead, I don't know how many Radiohead shows I would go to. I'm just not a go out person. Yep. Yep. But I hear you. Um, but what they were able to build was a, because every night it seems like because they had this community, this this lifestyle, this this fan base that was like their family, they basically got up every night and performed in their family's living room. So yeah. they had they have had that they had the freedom to not worry about it because they knew that the that was the agreement and the relationship that they had with their community, which is genius. That's just a genius setup. Yeah, and for for a kid like I was, who was lost and alone. It was, it was such a benevolent, wonderful place to land because a whole community carried me. You know, I always had a place to sleep. I always had food to eat. I was taken care of. And that was really fortunate at that time. 
for me. Holy shit. What an incredible lesson. I mean, listen, it's easy to, it's easy for people to look down on their nose and go, oh, these burnouts are just going on the road. But I think what an incredible lesson that you learned at a young age, that if you just sort of have some faith in whatever it is that you'll get what you need and you'll be taken yeah. care of and that you'll have this safety net. That's an incredible, that, like that, mm-hmm. the, the, the implications of that are very profound for adult life, I would imagine. I, I agree. I agree. And yes, and that we, we do take care of each other. But then to go from what I imagine was, you know, a relatively unstructured lifestyle <laughs> to the most structured <laughs> lifestyle. It was a steep learning curve. <laughs> that, that was probably, like was being a... dropped in an ice bath. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. Needless to say, I spent all four years having teachers talking to me, critiquing me, saying, do you really want to be here? Are you sure? Are you really focused? <laughs> Was that because it was because that because you specifically or because they ask everyone that to make sure? Well, they do ask everyone that. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it was interesting because my class at school, there were 14 of us, which is crazy. I mean, because thousands of people audition for that. school, And and initially there were 18 and then four people were cut, which is a horrible thing but um although ultimately i think for all of them who left it was a good thing but anyway uh i my class was a remarkably talented group of people fantastic people but it was definitely for me it was one of these things is not like the others because mm-hmm. i was in a very different place when i rolled in there and my you know i wasn't a theater kid and I wasn't from a theater background and I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. I had never done a play. I, I knew like zero about theater except having seen a lot of it. And uh, so I was really a blank page and I started going downtown a lot in New York and getting very influenced by like the Worcester group and what was happening at La Mama and what was happening at New York Theater Workshop. and got really turned on by a lot of international artists. And my class was in a very different place. <laughs> they, they were much more sort of musical theater oriented and like great singers, incredible singers. And, and I was not a singer. And so my head was just, I was just moving in a very different direction than a lot of my classmates. Although I, I liked them all enormously and, and found them incredibly talented and exciting, but I was just uh, in a different place. Yeah, that, that type of overstructure, I, I shouldn't say overstructure, it's just very, very structured. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I, often, I often wonder about the, the sort of distinction between, you know, the craft and the art, and I think about it a lot. And, you know, recently I, I, I started kind of saying to myself, well, and I said this on a podcast recently, that, um, you know, the craft is all the work you do to sort of build the structure and then the art is making the craft disappear. Yeah. And when you are, you know, and I, again, because I'm so fascinated by the number of shows that the Grateful Dead did, in addition to <laughs> the parallel existence of a, of a theater actor, yeah. um, 
uh, or also a stand or, or like doing stand up, but yeah. the idea of doing something hundreds of times, yeah. yet every time you get on stage, you have to find that molecule or nugget of magic that makes it seem fresh or real to you. Uh, even if you don't feel 100%. it, being able to fake it. <laughs> 100%. And you know, you know, one of the things that I always do, because it's all one painting, right? Right. Every, all we're doing is one ongoing piece of work. And so because of that, uh, whenever I go to set or I go to perform on stage, I give myself a task. Every show, every scene, everything. I give myself a task. I say, okay, this is what I'm going to work on today for this. I'm going to pursue this tonight in the play. I'm going to try to focus on, concentrate on this. And so I always have something to work on. It's never like, I'm just going to do the show and see what happens, <laughs> see where the people are at, you know? And I find like, I talk to friends who, who do that. And I think, wow, that is, I can't imagine. I would be a nervous wreck if I wasn't just in the work all the time. Mm hmm. And is it the idea that, you know, those nights where you don't some nights you just don't feel it, you know, is Absolutely. it is, is, is that where you is that where the years of experience comes in where you go, OK, well, t tonight I'm not feeling as passionate, so I'm just going to fall back on the technical craft and just kind of let the repetitiveness of it carry me through. Is well, that, is that yes, yes. But I mean, you know, you know this, like I, I can't tell you how many times I have to relearn the lesson of like, I walk off the stage or I finish a take and feel like, oh my God, that was, that was humiliating. That was so awful. And then there's the person waiting backstage saying that changed my life. Or oh my gosh, you yeah. watch playback and go, oh no, that was the take. And the moment, the shows that you think, oh my God, I, I arrived, I did it. I, I pleased the committee, you know? Yeah. <laughs> You're, it was terrible. You get all the notes from the director that night and they're up your ass because like you took too much time or whatever. You yeah. know, it's never what, what we perceive. And therefore it's not really our business. We just, oh, wow. our business, our job is to do our work and deliver it in a timely fashion to the best of our ability and while doing our work in a timely fashion to the best of our ability we can continue to tinker and explore things that are interesting that's yeah, but, that's what i think but that also like that screws with your head in the sense that listen i, I think whatever one whether it's a creative pursuit or whatever when people are kind of doing stuff I'm, they kind of have this internal barometer you know where it's like I, you know, there's a little green zone of what I think I'm supposed to be doing, and I'm just going to try to keep the slider in that green zone and not go into the fringes into the red where I'm really fucking up. But, but how do you know? Like you said, sometimes your internal barometer is just so far off because you don't have the right perspective. You know, it's like you, you can do a show sometimes, and it's like the crowd is not as vociferous as they could be and like you said you go oh that show didn't go very well and then someone comes backstage and they go oh my god that was so you go oh my god yeah. i think just as a group they just maybe weren't as loud they were just quiet yeah so how do i know how do i know if i'm doing the right thing if i am prone to being such a poor judge and having an internal right. barometer that is not on the correct setting like what do i fall back on to know how i'm doing and that's where experience and repetition come into play Right. You know, that's where just by doing the thing Got it. a lot, 
Got it. You 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 just know. You know you said your words in order. Right. You know you, know you yeah. did. You did the thing that you set out to do. You did it yeah. from beginning to end. And you know, as far as I mean, how does one judge quality? I don't think as a creative person, it's ours to judge. Right. And 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 therefore, I also don't feel like others' opinions are any of our business either. <laughs> we just need I'm just to laughing because that's all making. social media. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't do social. I don't engage. I have no. I've never done it, and I I I live outside of it. Um, mainly because I just find as a, as a creative person, it's just not my business to know. But you have a child who's probably like early teenage years. He's 14. So he must be. He does not. Wow. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And it's his choice. It's not like us saying you're, you know, he it's, it's his world and he's just not interested yet. I have hope for the Gen Zers because I think the Gen Zers will look at the sort of uh, that that kind of rampant narcissism of every generation before who, you know, and go, yeah, I don't know if I want, I mean, I know people whose kids are about your son's age and they'll say things like, uh, hey, you're on your phone. What are you, what are you trying to get the approval of strangers? Like the kids are already self, they're already aware. Absolutely. And they're re- kind of rebelling against it as, as gross. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, which is so awesome. No, these 14 year old people that I know are <laughs> astonishing to me. Oh, that's they're good amazing. News. And, and uh, it is very good news. It's very good news because these people that are coming are awesome. And if we, we, don't destroy everything before they take over. The world will be better for them. I, I firmly believe. I read I read something about you, which is a which is a fun factoid that is relative to my interests, which is that uh, you've been on every Law and Order show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, I'm a proud New no? York actor. Who says no when you're flipping channels and there's Law and Order? You're like shit. Well, yeah. I gotta I gotta see what Lenny and McCoy are up to. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I love about, you're right. So what you said about, oh, New York theater actor, of course, has been on Law & Order because there's so many Law yeah. & Order shows. Listen, if you're, a, if, you're, if you're a rotating regular cast member on Law & Order, great. There's great actors on there. That's really fun. But yep. the genius of that show are these great day actors who come in just to be interviewed. It's like you have totally. one, maybe two scenes to yep. tell the audience who your character is have a character, fit yourself into this very concrete pre-existing structure. Like it's, it's fucking great. It's, it's, wor- totally. it's work. It's work. You have, you have to, I feel like you, y- y'all have to do a lot more heavy lifting than the people that just sort of like, you know, already know who their character is. They've had time to evolve them. They kind of totally. just show up, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. It's definitely like every New York actor has to cut their teeth in a in a law and order show. <laughs> and it's just part of the cred. Like you have to do a few of them. I, I can remember like one day going to work and half the cast of Hamilton was like oh on the show. You know, I mean everybody turns up on set. Everybody yeah. turns up on set. Yeah. It's awesome. And it's the gig that whoever's on Broadway does a law and order to sort of, you know, make some side cash. Yeah. Before they have to go make curtain. 
Yeah, 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 exactly. They're like, you know, these people are in like these Tony winning plays. And then during the day they show up and go, yeah, I heard of that guy. I don't know. Exactly. He came in here a couple of times. <laughs> what are you asking me for? You know, my boss is riding my ass. All right. Well, yeah, totally. You know. yeah. totally. It's so good. It's so good. So let, I, I would love to talk a little bit. Well, first of all, uh, please tell me about your son's obsession with Stanley and dressing like Stan. Oh, was it was it for a Comic Con? Was it for oh, a Comic-Con? you bet? It was for a Comic Con. Actually, he did it several years in a row. But uh, there was a year. I want to say like four years ago, but I'm not exact on the date. And Stan was at the Comic Con. So when would that have been? He was there and uh, my son was like a total, like the glasses, he sprayed his hair gray. He had the little gray mustache. He had the jacket. He had the, you know, the the chinos. It was like full Stan. And everyone was stopping him to get their picture with mini Stan. You know, he was, he was definitely making a, a bit of a impression on the Comic-Con that year. And uh, we, we were approaching the stand, you know, where Stan was to sign, but the line was so freaking long. And I was, you know, debating whether I should try to cut it and just take my kid. But Stan saw him because we weren't that far away and, you know, gave him the Excelsior. And it just, yeah, it was the greatest. It was the greatest. That's fantastic. I mean, is it is your son an avid comic reader, or does, is it the Marvel Cinematic Absolutely. Universe? Absolutely, he it's both. Stuff. But he's a huge comic, yeah, big big comic fan, and has been since he was very young. So he's pro- so you probably got a big thumbs up on Hellstrom, then I imagine. My uh, world is different <laughs> now that I work for Marvel. It's amazing. I, I suspect your uh, your son wasn't dressing up like Jack McCoy, so. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No, it's uh it's 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 awesome. He is he's super tight. It's a bit of a bummer that the finally my show is dropping at a Comic-Con and it's all virtual. Of course. It's a bit of a bummer that I can't be bringing him this year and doing panels and stuff, but I next I, year. I, exactly. Fingers we'll be crossed. back. We'll be back and it'll be better and we'll all be even more excited. Yeah, the virtual panels are a great sort of a quick fix it's a good solution yeah so it's the best that we can do it's the safest most responsible thing yeah there is nothing like being on stage like being on stage or being a part of just thousands of people whose venn diagrams all kind of bubble over each other i mean talk about community you know totally it's totally it's so wonderful and the creativity that i see there i just because i can remember i think the first one i took him to he was like seven we've been going for years and i was so put out by having to like go to the javits center and you know, help my son with his costume. And then I went there and I was like, oh, I, I get it. I get it. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. It's it's thrilling. I loved it. Not that, di- I mean, y- yes, I guess aesthetically different, but spiritually probably not that different from fa- the Grateful Dead, you know, like community. There is a through line there. There is a through line there. Absolutely. Brought together to sort of help each other. Javits Center is... You know, San Diego is, even though it's like more generally more crowded, San Diego Comic Con, like the convention center is one giant space. And Javits Center 
is the largest space that New York has to hold that many people at once. That's not like a sports yeah. stadiums, but yep. but it's not. There's not like one. It's really sort of designed like a habit trail. There's like it's sort of totally. like a hamster. So <laughs> it's like right. you go up one narrow stairway, and then there's one big room, but then you got to go back, squeeze through a bunch of other delightful totally. rooms, you know, like to get down to the panel rooms, and then there's another <laughs> conference center over there. But that's a you got to go through the little glass tube, you know. <laughs> But it is, it's so true. In its absence, I miss the shit out of it. You know, it's like, yeah, oh, it's just, I just know. a part of that human experience was so great. I mean, is it, did, did your son's interest influence your pursuit of this project? No, I mean, no, I was, I was, I mean, it's a great gig yeah. no matter what, you know, yeah. I wanted the gig, but uh, it definitely, the benefits that I've reaped from the gig are a whole new level. <laughs> right, right. Personal right. benefits. Right. Yes. Right. I mean, it's it is once again, it's <clears throat> it's becoming a part of a community. And even though, like, and a community that you'll always be a part of, yeah. you know, like you'll for years, because you've now been a, been touched by it in 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 a way because now it, you've you've become a part of it it's an indelible part of your life. Now you can go to comic cons forever if you wanted to and, yep. you know, and participate. No. And it's so, I mean, it's such a funny thing too, when you get the initiation call, you yeah. know, you get the big phone call. They, they like five different people check in to make sure you're, you're available to pick up the phone. And then mm -hmm. you, I heard this like crazy booming voice saying, welcome to Marvel, Marvel. <laughs> okay <laughs> fantastic <laughs> and is it are you I, I imagine you shot this a while ago so this isn't it's all done we fit yeah it's all done it it drops uh october mid-october right here it drops. yeah it's uh it's it's dropping 16th. soon it's on hulu october yeah, yeah, yeah. 16th yeah yeah um so i was i was in vancouver we shot it in vancouver and I was there for a very long time. And we finished uh, second week of March. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So it wasn't that. I mean, yeah, I guess it, time is a very strange phenomenon right now. Trying to measure yeah. the passage of time is very I hard. I find, I find that it somehow simultaneously feels long and fast somehow yeah. that it's yeah. like, Oh my God, how are we like seven months into this already? And yet uh, the days feel long, you know, it's like, yeah. what? every day is Wednesday. I don't know. You can't really, yeah. it's hard to make plans. It's there's just, a, since it's a motif now, there's a Grateful Dead lyric that says such a long, long time to be gone and a short time to be there. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It, 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 it is, it is changing how we perceive time. Um, because we're just so aware of the days now it's it's it we and, and i think we've really realized or i think a lot of people have realized like oh yeah i was distract i was able to distract myself all day long and so everything felt really fast and then mm -hmm. now it's like there's not as many distractions and i don't think that's a bad <laughs> thing but uh -huh. Too much not distractions is not great. I mean, who wants to be in their own head all the time? But, uh -huh. <laughs> but, it's interesting. We've been living on a farm in Vermont since the great pause has yeah. happened. Yeah. 
And uh, we have definitely become newly attuned to the lunar cycle and sort of what birds do seasonally and what trees are doing seasonally. So it's been, it's been a, a re-engagement for my farming? little family. No, we're not, we're not farming per se, but we are definitely engaging with the land in a new way. I'm telling you, I really, I've really started to get it. I've started yeah. to really understand it where it's like, you know, oh, well, if you plant this here under certain conditions and you, you know, you take steps to do this and foster this or whatever, then you yield. Uh, it's like this. I know it's not a simple thing to do, but I mean, at least the philosophical simplicity of it, the linear nature of plant seeds grow fruit, yep. you know, milk, milk cows get milk have chickens get eggs i know there's a lot more to it than that but the simplicity of that of like oh my god that sounds fucking great you know like to to work in these creative fields where we it's not linear and a lot of it has nothing to do with anything that (laughs) really involves us and we have no control (laughs) over any of it and it's unpredictable Uh, totally knows what the business is anymore you know (laughs) just the idea of like sun comes up sun goes down chickens lay eggs i get eggs i eat eggs (laughs) i yep Put, put the poop in the grass, you know, like the gr- more, more grows, you know, it's like it, all mm-hmm. of it, like that, that carbon cycle really sounds super attractive right now. I completely understand. Yes. Yes. That's why I guess we should say we're living farm adjacent. We're, farm adjacent. We're, we're living on a farm. We're just not tending. Other people are farming around us. You're far, you're farming adjacent, but one, one yeah. day I feel like you might look out and go, Let's you know what? Tomatoes. And then totally. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. We we have a vegetable garden. And uh I, I did a couple of runs at some things and realized how much work it is and how much you really have to pay attention to the balance. It's like, okay, we planted corn and some corn grew, but then these weird bugs showed up and they had all of it. So then we have <laughs> to figure out it would be yeah. a constant like recalibration and balancing. And it it, it really is a metaphor for life because I think we always want the result in life. We just want perfect corn. Sure. And we want the perfect result. And we don't always really understand, appreciate, or even want to take part in the process of achieving that result. But the magic yeah. in the growth is in the, the growing and the tending of the corn. That's and right. So in as much as we can wrench that into kind of a creative experience, how are you in this absence of, you know, your, the, the, the art that you do, how are you tending to the corn creatively? I guess. (laughs) Well, you know, like with all things, um, I, it's, this pause has given me time, which is the great luxury in my life. You know, the, the, the great luxury item to me is time. Mm -hmm. And, I, I would give any amount of money to have more of it. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I've, I've had it and it's been radical for me because I can like, I cannot tell you if ever a period of time where my family has been able to sit down and have dinner every night, but seriously, <laughs> yeah. because yeah. one of us is always, because my husband's an amazing actor and one of us is always, away yeah. doing a job somewhere, you know, or having to make curtain 
because he's also, he does stage film and television too. So we're always cycling with these jobs. And one of us is always coming and going. And, and our son has a lot of things going on in his life. So it's just like a three ring circus all the time. Cause we have to work. We can't not work. And uh, so to be able to make meals, sit down, take time with our meals, talk with each other has been radical. And that of course feeds the giant painting that I'm working on over the course of my life. Um, But I've also been able to engage with other artists that I normally don't have time uh, to ruminate with, to just talk to, you know, it's usually whoever's in front of me on set is who's getting me. And then whatever's left over goes to my family and that's it. But I've been able to talk to all kinds of artists that I have great admiration for, because that's another thing, you know, that I've found in life is that there there's really no limit to who you can have access to or what kind of ideas or creativity you can pursue. It's really uh, up to you whether you set limits on that. I find like creatively, if I have a good idea, anybody is interested in a good idea. Everybody's interested in a good idea. And if there's something I want to talk about with someone who's interesting, you know, I can find a way to have a conversation with that person. I'm sure you, you do this for a living. You can do this. You do this all the time. So, so anyway, um, I, I've engaged with people. I've also engaged with my community. I've engaged with my country more. Um, I've become much more uh, useful and of service to myself and others, uh, not just as in my professional life, but in just as a human being on the planet. I've become right. more useful. I've been more useful to members of my family. So yeah, all of those things just make me expand, make me bigger, which then uh, deepens my creative life. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 
you know, it's, I wonder how many people will, I mean, listen, there are some people who probably went into quarantine and knew like, well, I hated what I was doing before. So I want to try to pursue something else if that's possible, if I have the luxury of being able to do that. And I wonder Mm. if some people will be surprised when they go back, you know, whenever that is to the, that grind that you were talking about, that, Mm -hmm. that, that kind of machine of like, I'm dealing with whatever's in front of me. And I'm just sort of like, I'm just moment to moment is the energy that I have. And I'm just putting it into this thing. And then I wonder how many people like once that machine fires back up again, I'll go, Hmm. I, I think don't think so. <laughs> I don't like this anymore. Yeah. yeah, that absolutely. I think that's absolutely true. And it's funny because I'm having a weird renaissance uh, in my relationship with my profession. I feel newly, like I was definitely at a place of just being done, uh, being done with the theater. I felt really done with the theater. And I felt like, you know, doing film and television, I was enjoying, but it was definitely you know, getting to be a blur, getting to be like, okay, I'm on a plane going here for this thing. And who is the boss here? <laughs> you know, and where, <laughs> where are my suitcases kind of thing. And I definitely, after having some time to breathe and just live and be a mom and be a wife, and uh, I am I'm very excited to re-engage professionally. Oh, that's great. That's great to hear. That's really great to hear. Because it it is, you know, I think it's easy to forget that art is kind of a re-expression of experiences. And if you're always re-expressing, you know, you have a a lake of creativity that's not infinite. That's right. It needs to rain every so... You have to pause for it to rain so it can refill. But it's so easy because our, our, our lifestyles are so nomadic and sort of hunter gathery. And it's like, well, if we're getting a lot of work, we got to, of course you have to take it. Cause we don't know when it's, <laughs> we don't know when it, when we're going to get hit with a famine again. And, mm-hmm. and you forget like, Oh, I, I think I need to pause to refill, to be able to do, you know, to be able to express things in new ways. So it's really nice to hear you That's say right. that. Yeah. Yeah. And hear new opinions and expose yourself to different people and different activities. Absolutely. It's really important. Can, uh, you know, I, I think the other big challenge of, of creatives and artists in general, I mean, the big challenge for anyone, but is, is the, you know, I, I think the creative part can, is very closely Velcroed to the ego part. And you know, in, in, in pursuit of creativity, it can be so tied to who you are. And then it is, it is just like a piece of Velcro. And how do you, how do you kind of rip that ego part away so that you're making good creative decisions and not ego decisions, which Uh are very, it's very easy to fall in that trap because of course we need more attention if we're going to do more of the thing that we want to do. It's part of the fucked up metric of our business, Mm -hmm. you know, and, but in, in a very literal interpretation of that or in a literal expression of that is, you know, studios going, how many followers does that person have on Instagram, you know, mm-hmm. which is, you know, annoying, but, but h- how do we, how, you know, as, as someone who is giving that kind of masterclass that you, that you talked about for the New York theater workshop, 
how do we not fall into that trap and separate ourselves from ego to make sure that we're making good creative decisions and exploring who we are creatively mm-hmm. and not be trapped? A little ego is probably good. It's a little fire, but too much mm-hmm. is like, and it's just so easy to fall into that trap. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, it's it's a daily practice, right? It's a daily practice. And it's also what is the work and what is what are some of the defining qualities in the work? And I, I often look at myself as sort of a, a plumber or mm-hmm. a carpenter. You know, I have a skill set. I have tools, and I'm hired to do a job with that I do well. I can mm-hmm. fix things. I can build things, and I'm good at it. And uh, but it it's I'm I'm one of many. I'm a worker amongst workers. It's a group effort. It's not about me. It's about we, and it's a collective experience. And also, you know, just a daily uh, touching of impermanence, which is just the only truth there is in the universe Mm -hmm. is impermanence. So you never, when you arrive somewhere, it doesn't stay. You know, if you achieve something, it doesn't last. It may return again in another form, but it's not like, oh, you've got it. You are it. You are the thing. It's just today, this is what you're doing. And it's going to change tomorrow for better or for worse. And this physical being is going to change and transform over time. And you have to accept it. It's just a process of acceptance and self-acceptance and not clutching on to something tightly and identifying that that is me, that somehow this job I do is a definition of self, because right. then you're, then you're in trouble, man. Then you're in trouble. It, you just, you just, it, you know, mind your own business and work hard. That's how I go about it. I just, I just work it's, hard. It's great to hear you say that. And I love, I love when I hear, cause uh, apologies for I'm not purposely doing a name drop but I was just talking to Alan Arkin oh I'll just, I'll oh, just drop awesome. that I'll just drop please that that's floor. awesome he's uh, amazing oh my gosh we were just watching Catch 22 a few weeks ago <gasps> great movie anyway go ahead he's amazing yeah but he said the exact same thing that you said which is the idea of not being your career, not being your job. And it's such a brilliant, and so what my point is, I love hearing people say the same things who I feel are wiser than I am because I feel like you need to listen to that because that's important because multiple people are saying this. And so it must have some weight to it or they wouldn't have arrived at this point, you know, these people that you respect. And so that idea of separating yourself from your job and going, well, this is the thing that I do, but how do you, you know, sometimes like, where do you, where do you find the motivation? You have to find it in the love of what you're doing and not in the result of how you think you will be perceived or how. Not in the result in how you're going to be perceived. Not in the Absolutely. result. But, but you know, I mean, yeah, it's, a, I, I love the job I get to do. I love the work I get to do. It, it's, it, I'm endlessly curious about it. I'm, I'm really interested. I get to meet some very interesting people. Um, but it's my job. It's just my job. Yeah. It, it's, because it's no amount of 
anything is ever going to fill you forever. Like you said, well, you get there, you arrive at a place and, you know, the, the, the closest metaphor I can think of is when you're a kid and you, and you, you see a toy commercial and you tell your parents, like, this is what I want for Christmas. I don't, I won't, I'll never want anything ever again. If you just get me this thing uh-huh. and then Christmas day, you, I, I sort of call it like, you know, December 27th syndrome where it's yeah. just like, December 25th and 26th, you were all over that thing. It's the greatest thing in the world. And December 27th, you set it down and you go do something else. And then maybe you pick it up again in a week and then you forget about it. And it's like you had that moment of acquisition and you thought it was going to be everything. And yeah. it was a moment. <laughs> well, so that that really comes down to what you want to be pursuing is curiosity and not obsession. Yes. Ah, oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's a perfect way to say that because it's the obsession over the result as opposed to the curiosity and in the process, you know? Yeah. Because so often when I go to work, I, I, where I really learn is when I'm asked to do something I don't know how to do, yeah. you know, and, and I, whatever I discover in that experience is fascinating. Then when I'm, you know, and I'm like, I got this, I know exactly how I'm going to do this. That that's usually a crash and burn situation for me. <laughs> Because I get very obsessed with the result. Right. And you can't control the result. And, nope. Yep. And, and the result is probably generally the most impermanent feeling. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I mean, you can climb Everest, but you got to come down. Yep. You can't, you can't live on there. Can't live up there. Nope. <laughs> That's right. Nor would you want to. Nor would you want to. It's like, yes, the conditions up there are murderous. It's not no one. It's like mm-hmm. they they just people go up there and then I, I wonder when the, if if there are people that have like a weird depression afterwards because they're like, I spent most of my life trying to do this thing and I did, you know, how long sure. how long does that feed you? I don't know. I don't know. I, I would love to talk about a little bit what you were talking about in that video about about the about the RI thoughts and ideas, you know, basically becoming uh, defined and encased in the words that we say as they come out, and then that is that is the sort of capturing of these thoughts. Can you talk a little bit about this? kind of philosophical masterclass that you were, that you gave? Well, this was a class that I gave on Shakespeare. So it was really around uh, working on verse, um, mm-hmm. which, which is, you know, it's a, it's a little like music theory because the great thing with Shakespeare is that he gives you everything you need within the line. He gives you so many clues because of how he builds the rhythm in a line Mm-hmm. because of the vowels and consonants he uses in words. There are just so many emotional uh, informants in, in a verse line. And uh, when you really understand, I mean, this sort of goes back to where we began in this conversation, because when you really uh, have, have worked hard at the, the technical, then breathing through the technical will set you free and then you can play and then you can experiment and then you can be truly free but you first have to work your ass off to achieve freedom <laughs> like yeah. you can't just like be show up and be spontaneous and good work will ensue i mean there are moments but it's usually because you've built such an airtight foundation of of technical clarity 
that then you can let it go. Yes, you, you have to learn it to such a degree that you can forget it basically, but your yeah. body your body knows it and that you That's don't right. have to think about it, right? Like you, because if you're thinking about any beat, then you're not, then you're not in the moment, I would imagine. Well, and you know, you, you think, what did Miles Davis do? He did scales obsessively over and over. He was a technical machine. Yeah. But you listen to Miles Davis and ha- where he goes, ha- his free landscape with music. And that's because he was a technical machine that went over and over and over and over things. And then let yeah, go. But- but it, but that's the but it, but it's so interesting, especially with something like Shakespeare, because you, there, the words are there. So you can't improv. Like you can't. It's it, it. It's there. So it's super learned. But then you have to be open to sort of be in the moment, which is a little more like it's emotionally spontaneous. Even though I would imagine, right? Because you have different chemistries with different your relationship to the audience your relationship to the other actors mm-hmm. i mean it, what what's the i don't know a ton about shakespeare's did did he is it under is there an understanding that he thought that everything had to be done in exact way or did he just sort of definitely not definitely not no that's that's a, a complete misconception that's formed right. over decades of you know scholars and experts <laughs> and bullshit artists. No, I mean, I, I, I think it couldn't, any, no one could be more like open to spontaneity and change and, you know, adapting text than Shakespeare. Yeah, he was an actor. He was an actor with the company, you know? So no, it's all, it's all about living thought. It's all about, and Shakespeare, when you really when you're riding that wave that you can, you can surf this language and it is such a high, it's, it's just cosmic, man. When you're a conduit to that level of poetry and it's just living thought, which is what he wrote. And, and it's something that all of this technical tinkering gives you and can bring you to is when you really map it and you really understand what you're saying and it's really living in you. It will liberate something. It will show you how to breathe. It will show you, you know, what word to sail on. And it is, it's a blast. I love that because it, it, the idea of that is so, and again, I think this kind of goes back to the Grateful Dead thing too. It's like, you know, do the work and then let it go. Like put in the time and then release release the the release the result i mean mm-hmm. whether you're talking shakespeare whether you're talking you know a band that's performed songs 10,000 times mm-hmm. the sort of releasing the result allows them to be free and explore and i'm sure as many shakespeare performances as you've given it it allows you to be free and explore explore different corners of your own psyche and 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 even do do you find that the the more experience you have in life gives you the ability to go back and sort of reinterpret these things in oh new, definitely new ways. absolutely absolutely because at each stage of your life you're you're in such a different place so yeah it's a constant ex- examination reexamination uh, and also because if you're lucky and if you're conscious 
you continue to grow. <laughs> you know? right. So of course it, it keeps growing and shifting. And uh, it's, it's one of the great joys of being an actor over, over a lifespan is yeah. being able to revisit, rethink, re-explore. It's awesome. Yeah, and also everyone is unique because, you know, each job that you take is the sum total of everything that you've done up to yeah. that point in your life. Yeah. And so the more you do that, the more you have to to draw from it. Like, get, I'm, I would be totally. shocked if all this time that you've gotten to spend in your family doesn't surface later Without a something doubt. else at some point. Without a doubt. And it's also so great because as you get older, if you're lucky and if you're conscious, um, you know, things like parenting was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. I mean, A, I have an awesome kid and that's, I'm just ridiculously fortunate and I have an awesome husband, but also, you know, I am not the priority. I, I am by far not the priority. That's anymore. liberating. It is so liberating. And the older I get too, I'm 50 now. And I just don't, I mean, A, I don't care about <laughs> most of what I used to think was so fucking important. I really don't care. Like deeply don't care. But <laughs> I, it's, I just don't worry about most shit. I, yeah. I just don't worry about it. Thing, a lot of the dross gets burned off over time. And that is, that is the beauty to living longer and getting older. You know, in our culture, we're so concerned about getting older and living longer and all of the, the downsides. But I, I find it a, an amazing and awesome experience. Now, granted, I'm 50, so I'm not arthritic or, you know, right. <laughs> losing my memory or dealing with those things yet. But, uh, but at, this, at this point on the road, I can report that it's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, like when you're 20 or 25 and you think 30 is the oldest number in the world, yeah. and then you hit 30, and then you think, oh my God, well, at least I'm not 40, and then you hit 40 and you're like- mm, and You're like, I was bad. a baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it is funny that, that, that we, per, we, you know, we pursue youth like a fucking drug, and yet yeah. a lot of times uh, we're our most lost in our youth. So I don't- Yeah. So I think I think it boils down to what you were saying earlier. It's like youth, maybe, but maybe it's just really about more time because once you kind of that is an interesting paradox. Once you kind of figure out what's important, you want to spend as much time as you can living that way. But also, one of the things I think you hopefully learn is to focus more on the present, mm -hmm. <laughs> and so that kind of mm -hmm. nullifies the other thing. But yeah, I don't know. I no, mean, no, I think I think they work in tandem. I think yeah. both can be true. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but but it but it this idea of just and and this is just such a great stage thing of just being being in the moment, being present. You can't you, you you I guess you could if you had enough experience fake your way through a performance if your mind was going, "Well, I'm here and my body's on stage, but I'm thinking about bills that I have to pay or I'm worrying about some past slight that someone said to me at a party or, you know, but really you kind of need to be as present as possible. You know, I, I, I learned this a long time ago. So I'm, I'm going to tell you something that I don't talk about very much, but uh, I suffer from very intense stage fright and panic attacks and anxiety. Oh, wow. Like I really, especially when I was younger, it's definitely gotten more manageable as I've gotten older, but it, I had a period of having like 
full-blown panic attacks on stage where I went out of my body and thought I was going to die. Right. And I would have to leave the stage. And uh, I remember once I had to walk off stage and I went to my dressing room and climbed under my table in a fetal position and like couldn't get out. And an actor who was in the show grabbed me and dragged me back and threw me on stage. And I, I, and I got through the performance somehow. Um, I don't remember how, I think most of it was gibberish. And he later said, you know, if you didn't get back out there, you probably never would have, you'd probably get spooked. And I think he was right. And anyway, so I've had these like crazy panic attacks where I've left stage, come back, had to have a glass of water. And energetically, the audience, after one of these experiences where I had a full-blown panic attack, saw a tunnel of white light, thought I was having a heart attack, was going to die. I walked off, I had a glass of water, came back on, had to stand there with my glass of water and breathe for a few minutes, and then went on with the play. I had so many people after that performance say, that director was so brilliant. Like <laughs> all of that stuff that was that, to leave stage and then go like totally, like totally. Yeah, it was all planned, guys. It was so, all planned. so again, like all I can do is try to get from the beginning to the end, do the job to the best of my ability, and uh, stay away from worrying about the result. Wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, listen, that's just life, right? You, you get terrified by things yep. and you just have to do them anyway, because if you, I'm not, I'm saying this like, it's super easy. It's not, it's too, it's but, it's, times but it's a fact, but it's a fact. That other actor was correct. If you had not gone back out there, you would have created a, a, a you would have reinforced giving in to fear, which would have had implications yeah and reached into other areas of your life. Like I, I, I am afraid and I will give into that fear and I will not do this thing that would have affected the fact that you still went out there and did it anyway is huge for the rest of your life. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree a hundred percent and I'm incredibly grateful to him to this day. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you ever feel like you're settling? For your foundation, that is. Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation doesn't settle into fine lines and wrinkles. With SPF 20 and moisturizing pro-vitamin B5, this foundation not only provides medium coverage and a natural finish, but also protects and nourishes your skin. And the best part? The blurring sponge tip applicator makes application a breeze. Say goodbye to cakey, uneven foundation and hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at amazon.com slash instant eraser foundation. Um, as we're sort of wrapping this up, because we've already been talking for an hour, which blows me away. This has been <laughs> such a wonderful conversation. Um, uh, is there anything you want to talk about with Hellstrom or anything that you, I mean, like I, I tend to just like to talk and because I never want anyone sure. to feel like, 
you know, like like it's a junk. You gotta hit the talking points. You gotta hit all the. You gotta say the four things that you say. But I do um, uh, because I'm excited to see it. Like I, is there anything you want to talk about with it or say or plug about it? You know, I will say. Are are you are you a a Marvel fan? Are you someone who? Yeah, I mean, I was when I was growing up. I was I was not as much a comic book guy as I was. You know, I was obsessed with television and film. Um, I had a, I had a friend in school that scared me off of comic books because he, every week he would go buy two of everything and one would uh. never get opened. The other would get <laughs> we'll go into the plastic. opened. So they were a degree off of in condition from each other because one, he very carefully read with gloves and everything Amazing. was so meticulously separated. And I was so overwhelmed and freaked out by it. And I thought in my 11, 10 year old mind, like, oh, this is how you have to do that. And it scared, and it kind of scared me off. And so, you know, I was always much more of a, uh, an interactive, you know, stand of mm-hmm. comedy and film and television and stuff. So mm-hmm. that's my long winded way mm-hmm. of saying, I was not as much a comic book nerd growing up as I was for film and television. So, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm familiar with what you're- You know, the, the universe, yeah. 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 So so I think for those who are Marvel people, yeah, uh, this will be a very cool new experience because from what I know and uh, which is, is not, as in depth as many Marvel fans, but I've seen all the films and I've read a lot of the comic books. Um, Mm -hmm. The cool thing about this is it's sort of like a whole new wing of the mansion. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like this horror wing that we're exploring is, uh, and and the thing about this show is it is horror. It is not like horror light with some superpowers. It is, it is horror down to like a lot of our directors are horror film directors. A lot of the, the folks that came in to do our episodes were from the horror universe. So that is the landscape we were in. And another part of it that I think is really unique to this show and very unusual is that the thing that's so terrifying about it is it sort of starts with the same template as like The Shining which the thing about The Shining that, that engages you that's so frightening is it's really about a family dynamic breaking down. It's really about a child seeing his parents lose their minds, you know, and that's terrifying. That's like primally terrifying. This show is about a family breaking down. And, uh, and then we go from there. And then the supernatural comes out of that family cracking open and the other thing too is that pretty much everything you see is is real uh like if you see us standing in a room of flames we shot in a room of flames oh, <laughs> like wow. it's not cgi there's there i i can think of one day that we use green screen that i worked and uh i don't even think that shot made it so okay. yeah like i was harnessed climbing on walls running around hanging from the ceiling, like <laughs> in, in rooms of fire, you know, so, so it's a lot of what, what happens on the show happened. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, it's yeah. this, this subgenre of entertainment, this sort of like 
I mean, I, I, you know, I guess superhero is even, that's even too narrow a term because it is expanding into horror and there's so many corners of it. It's mm-hmm. just that kind of, uh, that, you know, the genre based um, entertainment. It really is like a style. Like it's a whole, yeah. like, I wonder if there will be acting like in, you know, in 10 or 20 years, if someone will be giving, will, will be giving like a theater workshop on, uh, on that type of, acting like as well the thing about it is is I and I think one of the reasons why it it was such a comfortable fit for me is because it's like Shakespeare it's like the Greeks you know you're just taking these very domestic situations and then heightening them to Mm -hmm. almost cosmic levels but it's all connected to a very domestic experience yeah and uh that's a blast not unlike a play about the gods fighting and humans suffering as a yep. result or benefiting exactly. as a result. It's a very, exactly. very similar thing. Yep. Um, what are you, uh, I think we already kind of touched on this, but I, I've been asking people a lot, you know, particularly like during, during pandemic times, like what, mm-hmm. what, what, what are you joyful about? It sounds like you're finding a lot of joy in the sort of, in, in the family unit and experience that you're getting to this, mm-hmm. you know the, the the gift of this, this part of it that's a gift is being able to spend more time with your family is that is that where your joy is right now at all but you totally. also think you're discovering more creative uh molecules absolutely i mean there uh, i i feel ridiculously fortunate in uh how um amazing this period this pause has been um and it's hard to say that considering how much suffering is happening and uh and you know i i try to be useful to the best of my ability and while we're here um living on this farm living in nature connecting back to nature because normally i'm in an urban landscape Mm-hmm. It's been amazing being in the countryside. We're on Lake Champlain. So my husband and son and I every day put on wetsuits and swim at the, along the coastline here oh, wow. and back every day. Uh, so that's that has been such a joy. Just things like that, taking hikes all the time with my family, eating outside. I mean, we're trying to live like Norwegians and staying outside <laughs> as long as we can, doing everything outdoors as long as we can. So we're still having dinner outside with many sweaters and hats on. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's awesome being, being in their company and uh, being a family. That's great. I'm. I'm. I. I love hearing the. Uh, I love hearing the stories about. You know, God, I just have such a cool kid, and it just broadens you and it widens you. You know, it's, it's something that my wife and I are looking at doing. You know, highly recommend it. Yeah. Highly recommend it. And and it. And so much of it seems scary in the sense of like I don't want to mess it up or I don't want to you know and you will, you're gonna mess it up FYI <laughs> you're gonna totally mess it up I mess it up all the time I just I don't want to be a helicopter parent but I don't want to be like stressy about like oh don't stand on that oh my god put that down oh my god don't put your finger in that socket oh my god please stay away from the pool like you know because mm-hmm. you obviously you want you want to make sure that your child is safe but you mm-hmm. also want them to be able to grow and have their own sort of internal tools for navigating the world, which they will need when they Mm -hmm. get older so that they do not become say codependent or, you know, too reliant Mm -hmm. on. And so it is just sort of like, how do you 
find the where you know what you take a flying leap you take yeah. a flying leap <laughs> and then really the the greatest thing you can do is just show up you're, you're under your dressing table and someone just drags you and throws you on stage just get the fuck out there i don't care i know you're scared <laughs> just fucking get the fuck out there and do it <laughs> well that was before i was a parent then I learned what real fear is. Oh, right. Of course. Of course. Then I but learned what real out. everything is. That's right. It did. It As it, it did does. That's right. You put in the work and then you let it go. You put in the work and then you let it go. You just don't worry about results. Um, well, I've so enjoyed talking to you. Congratulations Likewise. on the show. Thank I, you. I, I, I hope you find continued happiness. Uh, and then when things are able to... Hopefully I'll run into you at a, at a Comic-Con one of these that days. That would be what, awesome. What a moment that will be. Oh my God, we're here. We got to, people can be near each other again. It's back. That's oh, right. You know. Yes, it's coming. It's coming. And when it comes, it is going to be a joyful celebration. Joyful, joyful. And then, oh, you know what I was going to ask you? Last question. Yeah. When you were when you were touring with uh, when you were touring with Grateful Dead, when you were opening for I Grateful Dead, <laughs> um, did, did did you have a, a a role or a function in the group? Like, did you make bracelets? Did you well t-shirts to trade for? I made clothes. Yeah, I made clothes uh, out of like really beautiful Guatemalan material. I would make very simple skirts and shorts to trade. Yeah, that's oh, how that's... I like ate. Yeah, yeah. The barter system, totally. Yeah, because it just that, that does feel very theatrical to me. Like that <laughs> skill set of like, you know, we're doing this off Broadway show. There's no budget for thing. You got fucking make a skirt. You got to make a thing. You have to whatever you have. You got to figure it out. At home, you got to bring it in because we we need some dust. We need some you know like orange dust. You know like that idea of just figure it out. That's right. Know, well, that's okay. that's where the greatest creativity comes is from necessity. Oh my gosh. Well, I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. for your Likewise. My pleasure. This is great. Hellstrom, October 16th on Hulu. My wife and I are huge horror fans. And so we're nice. Excited. Oh, good. Cool. We're very excited. It's all pretty much all we watch. So, uh, Sweet. so I look, look forward to seeing your show and, uh, yeah, I hope to, hope to get to see you in, in, in the, in the real world space one of these days. Awesome. I'd love it. Great. Thanks. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye the end. ID Tenti scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. I feel like I was blindsided. Because it's a competition show. From the producers of Jury Duty and The Bachelor. We have scoured the earth for the 14 greatest reality contestants that were available during our production window. Comes a reality competition show about reality competition shows. Nobody has dared to find out who is the actual best at just being on a reality show. I'm your host, comedian Daniel Tosh. Is winner go home. Each episode, our contestants will face new challenges that will test their strength and lack of life skills for a chance to win two hundred million dollars. $200,000. Prepare, because it's about to be ugly crying. Lots of fighting. Tasha, I have to defend myself. Celebrating 25 years of reality TV with your favorites. I have diarrhea. You cannot do this to me. What in gay hell have I got myself into? The Goat. Stream free on Amazon Freeview or Prime Video.